0: Dear listeners, Sai Ram and greetings from Prasanthi Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatara Savahini, a book written by Swami. And today's episode was first broadcast live on 31st December 2015. Have a listen, please.
1: Offering our most humble Panams at Bhagwan's lotus feet, dear listeners, we welcome you to this week's Afternoon Satsang. It is that week in the Afternoon Satsang series where we talk about the Ramayana. So before I invite my brother Arvind to join me and before we begin from where we left off last week, as always, we start by ruminating over the sweet and nectarous name of Lord Shri Rama. Shri Rama Rama
2: rame rama me ramana
3: Welcome dear listeners and I really feel that it is a great blessing upon all of us that we are thinking about the Lord chanting His name, ruminating on His glory. We are sitting here contemplating on the story of Rama and the glory of Rama.
1: Absolutely and in fact because we have had this opportunity to go into the Ramayana and see it in a certain way we have probably not seen it before. You know, thanks to a satsang like this we have had to go through it very keenly. We have spoken about incidents which probably we would have spoken of in two minutes for hmm. an entire hour. Now, that's when we realize that Each one of this episode is so deep. In fact, I think in a sense, our life is filled with, you know, many kinds of activities. It's not wrong to fill our life with activities which, you know, go after activities which give us pleasure. But I think what Swami always told was in that balance between pleasurable activities and purposeful activities, can you do more purposeful activities? And you will do more purposeful activities when you know that, you know, there is a certain purpose for which this life is given. I hope I'm not stretching it too much. If you look at the very story which we're going to, that episode we're going through, you know, the way Hanuman Keeps his focus on the job which he's having, you know, because Swami keeps reiterating that there is a monkey, you know, the monkey likes to be frivolous, the monkey likes to be erratic and likes to, you know, eat and you know frolic around. But in in the midst of all this, Hanuman is, you know, constantly controlling himself and he's saying, no, I have a purpose. I've come here for a reason. You know, even when he goes around the Lanka, he says that, no, I, I can't indulge myself in this beauty which is around me. I've come here for a certain. This one, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't rest. If each one of us look at our own life as a life with a certain mission. It's not that we'll completely forsake activities which give us pleasure and leisure, but at least there will be more purpose to what we choose
0: to do.
3: In fact, I feel the activities of pleasure and leisure also get aligned with the purpose. Right. You see, actually we may be entering that part today where Hanuman goes and indulges in the Ashokavana with the fruits that are there. So what happens is if that purpose is kept as the priority, if the focus is always on the purpose, then even an apparently pleasurable activity becomes an add-on activity towards that same goal towards that same focus. You know, we have said it many times. Again, we will say that no wonder that Swami has placed Hanuman high on top of the hill as the ideal for all the students.
1: Absolutely. And I think we are in that point in the story where we spoke about the interaction between Vibhishana and Hanuman. In fact, there is that 96 discourse where Swami starts with a very beautiful comparison. Hmm. Swami compares Sugriva with Vibhishana. Okay? And Swami says that both became friends of Lord Rama. You know, they were given the status of being friends of Lord Rama. There was one whom Rama went in search of which is Sugriva and a proof had to be given for him to understand that Rama was you know is is worthy of striking a friendship with Hmm. but here was Vibhishana who gave up all of this one came in search of Rama and each one of them played a very important role during the war like the later time we'll see the kind of sacrifice that Vibhishana does and another thing is the Ramayana itself has that contrasting thing where the word of the father is taken to be so serious then you have these brothers who are so loyal to Rama at the same time you have a brother who is betraying you know Sugriva and Vibhishana Brothers who are standing against those siblings who are on the wrong track mm-hmm. and the Lord validating their stand, you know, Lord coming to their rescue, coming to their side. Uh, really contrast there. I think each one of it, Swami is going on reiterating that it's all not in the birth. It's not in the status of life, but the actions which you do, whether they are right and wrong. And the Lord always stands only by that, not by anything else.
3: Exactly. Last week we had reached that point in the story where, uh, you know, Ravana comes and threatens Sita, gives her a one month time to consider. Otherwise in his own she will be chopped and fed to the vultures and other animals and other demons and he walks away storms away and we also discussed how Sita who was rock solid in the face of Ravana once Ravana leaves she breaks down melts like butter thinking of Rama we also reiterated that that is a point of a true devotee where when you're facing the devil you're rock solid but when you're following the master you melt down the slightest thing about the master makes your heart tender cry out in fact so at this point in time when Sita is little low not little quite low a Rakshasi whose name is Trijata. She is a very very pious Rakshasi a devoted one to Ramain. and that comes as no surprise once you realize that Trijata is the daughter of Vibhishana right. so therefore uh, she is devoted to Lord Rama and her heart also pains when she sees Mother Sita in pain. So she decides that it is time to reveal to Sita a dream that she had seen the previous night and in fact it is Trijata's intelligence that she calls all other Rakshasis also because it is very evident that she wants to communicate a message to all of them along with Sita. So she tells sisters, all of you come here. I have got something to narrate. And she starts off by saying that, you know, I rarely get dreams. I never get dreams. And that's why I feel when I get a dream, it symbolizes something. It means something. And she starts off by narrating the dream, saying that in her dream, she saw a monkey that had come to the shores of Lanka. And she says that monkey just burnt the whole of Lanka. And in that same dream, she saw Ravana, the lord of Lanka, stripped of all his clothes, utterly naked, being paraded on a donkey heading towards the south. You know, in in tradition, it is considered that north is divine and south is not so divine. Just as a symbolism, just like the positive and negative ends of a electric pole or a magnetic dipole. It is called positive just because it's positive. That's all. So, that is why, you know, we have Uttarayanam when the sun moves towards the north, it is said that it's moving towards divinity. And moving towards the south meaning moving away from divinity. So, she narrates this dream and she says, not only is Ravana being paraded like this, the whole kingdom of Lanka is resounding with the name of Rama. Everyone. one is is chanting Rama's name, Rama's name and Rama's glory being sung everywhere and so she says, since I don't get dreams, I really feel this dream has some meaning and I feel that this is not something that's going to happen far off in the future it may happen within the next 3-4 days also, this is what I'm feeling, she narrates this and she says this and hearing this Sita feels very encouraged she feels happy and the other Rakshasis who are threatening Sita, they get a little fearful you know, looking at this dream Prem, I just felt I'm not able to interpret every part but I just felt that Ravana being stripped of all his clothes clothes is very symbolic because the only reason you oppose the Lord, the only reason you go on immoral path is because you fear for your own safety, security or something. There is some kind of fear that makes you want to feel secure by going on the wrong path. That is the reason you go on to the wrong path. And uh, I think that is your uh, email signing or statement which says that only when there is duality, there is fear. And right. The only way to overcome fear is by going to Advaita. So I feel Ravana being stripped of all his clothes is symbolic of him being stripped of his identity. What identity? His false identity that he is the body. So it is symbolic of his ego being stripped apart because as we know later Rama doesn't do any such things to Ravana but definitely Ravana undergoes a transformation of the heart where he recognizes the Supreme Lord Rama which means he decides to make his individual self subservient to Rama. So I just felt that this is an interpretation for the dream that Ravana is going to be stripped of his ego.
1: Right and in another discourse you know, Swami makes this very clear that this dream which Trijata has it's almost like a symbol symbolism of the feeling which is prevalent in the city mm. and uh, which was also expressed by Mandodri to Ravana mm. and even in the Ramkata Swami describes when Hanuman goes around looking for Sita he comes across a lot of women who have been abducted by Ravana mm. and in fact it was one of the stories which we narrated initially that Ravana is in search of you know Vaidehi because there is a curse on him that you know it is only through the husband of such a woman he'll get his redemption mm. because that's like a side story altogether but there are a lot of women but uh, apparently Swami says in that 96 Samukos, that Mandodari goes to Ravana and says, you know, you've abducted so many women, but this time it's the wrong woman. Because she's a very very chaste one. Mm. And no man will you know, escape peril if he lays his hand on such a woman. In fact, uh, first when he brings her to Lanka, he tries to keep her in the palace. It is Mandodari who you know, gives him that advice. That at least you try to keep her in a separate place till you're able to convince her. You know, if you do this, this is going to bring uh, doom right away. Mm. So listening to her, it's Ravana puts her in Ashokona. And a lot of people in the city are already beginning to feel that, mm. no, this is a act of Ravana and they are all scared to speak up against him as we see only Vibhishana speaks up after a while but all of them are so scared and this dream is almost like the expression of that fear and anxiety which was there in the citizens of Lanka and she expresses that to Sita and Sita you know, after that dialogue after she says this she also says that this is a dream I have had and it's not like it's going to happen in a distant future I am hmm. having the strong feeling that it can happen very very soon as soon as today or tomorrow
3: Trijata's premonition comes as very very welcome news for Sita and she rejoices she in fact says, Trijata, I am convinced that Rama himself must have sent you as part of this group. It is because of a few women like you that a truly chaste woman is able to maintain her sanity and peace in Lanka. Otherwise, where, what will I do? You heard what Ravana said, right? You heard that he's going to rip me apart and throw me to vultures and animals and Rakshasis. This is a body that has come for Rama. I cannot allow this sacred body to get debilitated and thrashed out in such a vile manner. So please Trijata, you know, you tell me a way in which I can end in my life before such a day comes because one month from now that is. So you can see that though Sita is heartened and encouraged hearing something about Rama, you know it need not be on directly Rama. It just shows the downfall of Adharma is Dharma for her. That way she is so happy. But we have to remember that at this point in time neither Trijata nor Sita have the slightest clue of Hanuman being there. So it's very very interesting that a monkey comes in a dream. It also reminded me of what Swami would say many times in his discourses that dreams of Swami are true. You can't conjure up a dream of Swami on your own unless the Lord will say you can't get Him in your dream. And Swami further clarifies saying that you may sometimes get indigestion dreams. (laughs) But when you speak to the Lord, you know in your dream what you felt. If it felt so real if it felt like really you're holding him. It has happened sometimes, you know, in one dream I got a ring from Swami and I woke up holding my ring finger Mm -hmm. and uh, I see there's no ring and I'm just not able to believe it. I'm thinking it must have fallen off or someone must have taken it because it took me quite some time before I realized that, hey, you know what, that was a dream. That was a dream. So that real it was. That real it was. As real as, you know, what Janaka might have felt. Is this real or is that real? So it really felt so real. So Swami says that when the dream feels so real, And how do you know it feels real? That joy that accompanies that. That stays even after the dream is over. It's not as if you woke up in the morning and you feel it's a dream. You feel so much joy. I'm sure many would have noticed that when you have got Swami's dream, sometimes as soon as you get up in the morning, you don't remember the dream. But there's some kind of that Swami Mayam feeling. You feel, hey, something, you know. You just feel like singing a bhajan. You keep remembering Swami for no reason. In fact, that also Swami had told to one of the students that Mm
4: -hmm.
3: you can know that God's grace is on you When you are able to think of Swami, think of God without any effort on your part, effortlessly when you can think of the Lord, know that that is the true grace. Nothing else is an indicator of grace. And I feel that when you get Swami's dream, even if you don't remember, when you get up in the morning, you keep feeling Swami, Swami in you. And that is Swami's grace. That itself shows that the dream is true. So that was a thought that came in me when I was reading this. So Sita tells this to Trijata and when she becomes despondent, saying that, tell me a way I can end my life rather than be subjected to such misery. Hanuman hears it on top of the tree where he seated and his heart melts in compassion for Sita.
1: Right. And in fact, Trijata is trying to console Sita by saying that, don't worry, Rama is, you know, is a very valid one. He'll definitely come here and and rescue you. And. I mean there's no reason for you to lose your heart but of course at this point all this is being watched by Hanuman who is you know sitting on a branch above he's seen uh, Ravana come he's seen him you know threaten her plead with her and he's seen him give that ultimatum of that one month and go away and he sees Sita's reaction to as we said you know the way she boldly answers Ravana but the moment she goes away he, she you know starts crying and now she's saying that I wish I could you know end this life at this point is that very beautiful moment where Hanuman comes to Sita And again, a mix of feelings. How does Sita respond to this sudden blessing that's come her way? But before we come to that, we'll take a short break. On the other side of it, we'll discuss about this wonderful meeting between Hanuman and Mother Sita.
3: You know, when Rama has sent Hanuman, what becomes evident when we read Ramkatha Rasavahini is even before the monkey and bear horde set out on the search of Sita, Rama knew that it will be Hanuman who will be finding her. There will be demons who will be trying to convince Sita to marry Ravana and that they will be trying all kinds of stratagems, not only threatening and uh, scolding and hurling abuses, but also magical tricks and illusion to try to fool her into acceding to Ravana. And that is why, you know, Rama has given a ring to Hanuman. He tells Hanuman that, you know, a point of time will come when Sita will not believe because she doesn't know what to believe, what not to believe. In the sense here, it can so happen that though she is convinced of the goodness of Trijata, suddenly a doubt may crop up that is Trijata also playing into the hands of Ravana and, you know, doing this and a monkey has come as per her dream and finally this monkey, I'll think it is Rama's messenger and I'll get convinced and the monkey will direct me to do something that is not actually true, not actually right. So all these things are there and that's why Rama tells Hanuman that when the crucial moment comes, you will have to, you know, give this ring to Sita, because it is only this ring that will convince her that you are my messenger, you know, and that's exactly what happens actually, Hanuman decides that the best way to approach it is, you know, to start a proper dialogue and have Sita positive to what he is going to say and not just shut him out the way she shut out uh, Ravana. That is when Hanuman decides that he will show the ring. And in fact, in Savani Swami writes that when the ring falls, it falls like a flame of the purest ray. You know, a shining, gleaming thing. And just seeing that, you know, Sita is so thrilled because, you know, the events of the day, she has just burned away Ravana and then Trijata narrates a dream which is so fantastic. And then, because I forgot to mention that uh, Hanuman is also chanting the name of Lord Rama. So she's hearing Rama's name and she's seeing Rama's ring so this is too much you know it's almost as if you're waiting for the Lord to speak to you and it has been years that Swami has not looked at you and suddenly out of the blue Swami calls materially the ring for you and calls you for an interview how it will be that is how Sita's uh, ecstasy and joy is when she sees this monkey on the tree and sees the ring that is there that the monkey has dropped and she hears Hanuman chanting the name of Rama
1: it's a very interesting uh, episode in that sense because you know here is Mother Sita so despondent and in, in many ways I think we all can relate to it in some sense or the other, where she's having a sign here and she's wondering: is is this the sign or is this again, you know, my mind playing up with me or is the rakshasas coming to play with me? I think mm. in one of the versions of Ramayana, there's even that episode of Ravana bringing Rama's know, head, Rama's head, and he's saying that you know he tried to enter the island and we have vanquished him.
3: If I am not mistaken, uh, Prem, this episode happens later when during the war, is uh, it? When Rama's right. forces reach the shore, okay, okay. Then Ravana is told that you know what, your time of death is near so he grows desperate and he says that Rama has come and I am killed him right right, that right later maybe it will come even in the Ram Kudrasa,
1: absolutely you know many of these episodes that's what creates the doubt in Mother Sita's mind and many times you know this question comes like even in this situation of let's say in what Mother Sita is going through probably she could have just had the complete faith that you know oh, so what eventually it's Rama who is going to save me anyway if I'm going to be misled by somebody if I'm going to be misled by Trijata so what eventually Rama will save me a kind of an overbearing faith and the question comes like should we have that kind of a faith or should we have that faith which is mixed with diligence every moment you ask yourself is this right or is this wrong the thing is there is no one answer to that because you cannot be something which you are not Hmm. if I am not a person meant for reasoning you know I cannot go and do endless reasoning before every step I take at the same time I cannot you know be a person of complete surrender if I have this mind which is constantly reasoning though I can try to you know calm my mind by saying that no I should have more surrender but I cannot be that on one fine day I cannot wake up and be a person of complete surrender so there is no question of you no. Know, what should have Sita done should she have had complete faith or should she have questioned the same way what should I do should I completely have faith and lead a carefree life or should I you know that Americans thing of uh, question everything right there is a beautiful saying in, in the American uh, it goes have faith in God but lock your car <laughs> right, It's like that, you know, you do what you're supposed to do, but at the same time, you also have the surrender and faith. So, which is the path to follow? I think it's for each one of us, it's a different thing. We all are in discovering that balance and probably one thing we could say is, if you're a person who reasons a lot, maybe have more surrender. Mm. <laughs> and that's the only only thing which can be said.
3: <laughs> well put, Prem. Here, Sita actually asks Hanuman. She says, oh, monkey. She doesn't know his name. She doesn't know his credentials. Just one tiny monkey that Hanuman is now. So, she says, monkey, who are you? Where have you come from? You know, logically, it seems impossible that a Monkey could have come here into a guarded fortress like Lanka, right. which is having sea, ocean on all the four sides. It's an island. So naturally, fact, doubts arise. Uh,
1: sorry to disturb you. In 2002, course, Swami explains why Ravana brings uh, Sita in that Pushpaka Vimana all through from the thing. Hmm. Now, the idea was to show her how impossible it is to penetrate his kingdom. Hmm. He gave her an aerial view of where Lanka is and how it is fortified and how it is surrounded by water and that's precisely one of the reasons why when Sita sees Hanuman, she is wondering who can this be? How can somebody come in here?
3: So, though she's joyous and thrilled, she still asks you know, I have been deceived for months now by Ravana and his Rakshasas. Are you yet another stratagem of Ravana? It seems like illogical that you directly ask a person whom you suspect of doing that. But, see that is the surrender part, that is the love part of Sita, that is the heart part of Sita possibly. So, though she logically feeling that this might be an impersonation, in her heart she directly asks, she tells, tell me. I feel because, you know, if you are a person of the heart, irrespective of what answer Hanuman gives, just by listening to the answer, your heart will tell you whether it's true or not. So, it's not actually an illogical thing that Sita did because when you are a person of heart, you just need to observe and you will know what has to be done. That is the nature of the heart, spontaneity. Whereas a mind actually keeps everything in logic and so, if Sita was fully on the logical side, she would possibly not I've asked Hanuman who are you? Are you a demon in disguise? So, seeing that definitely one is convinced that Sita is a person of the heart. So she directly asks Hanuman. And you know, Hanuman decides that this is the right time to narrate, and he starts narrating the entire story of Rama. What we have done so far in the (laughs) Ramkatara Savani Satsang. Hanuman does that in one shot there, tells Sita everything from the birth of Rama till the story where Rama and Lakshmana have sought the help of Sugriva, and that's how the search has begun, and that's how he is a servant of Rama who has come. Hearing all this, you know, the logical side of Sita is gone. It vaporizes. She doesn't care whether it's a Rakshasa or not. She is just thrilled to hear the glory of the story of her Lord and she enjoys this satsang. In fact, she even tells Hanuman, stay here. You know, she's not yet got convincing proof that he's a messenger or whether he's a demon, but she just says that I don't care whether you're a demon also, but you just stay here along with me and narrate to me because it's so wonderful to listen to these stories of Rama.
1: And probably one more thing which might have convinced her is something which Swami would often tell us, you know, there's that question posed to Ravana. That you're taking so many forms, you know, you took the form of a mendicant and went and kidnapped her and you are able to conjure up so many beings and things like that. Why don't you go to her in the form of Rama? That's one thing Swami used to say. Mm -hmm. And Ravana would say that the moment I take the form of Rama, I will lose all desire for her. And that's why I don't want to. I think that might have been one of the convincing things for Mother Sita because here is somebody who is talking so much about Rama and no Rakshasa would probably dare to speak so much about Rama and you know, not be drawn away by that love for that name. Because she would have seen that, the difference between, as you're saying, Trijata and Vibhishna's wife who come and serve her. You know, the moment that little bit of love for Lord comes, the way you are different from the others, the way you stand out. And here is this monkey who comes and who's endlessly singing the praise of Rama, who's not able to contain himself and probably the emotions of Hanuman would have been more telling than anything else. And even that ring which falls, you know, Swami writes so beautifully, she looks at it, the moment she sees it, her heart leaps up in joy. And then the second moment, it's like, you know, what could this be? This looks so similar to the ring which Rama used to wear can I pick it up should I pick it up something would happen and then she said after recognizing it even if it is not so I can't hold myself back and she picks it up and she starts admiring it and she's I think that is the point when again as you said Rama knew all the way that it was Hanuman who is going to go and meet her at this point Hanuman starts narrating some things which Rama has shared in confidence to Hanuman he's saying that this is what will happen and Mother Sita will not be able to have trust in you if you narrate these incidents she might have the fear feeling that you know you have come directly from me
3: you know when you speak of that what comes to mind sometimes is that the lord also uses messengers and mediums then okay (laughs) because apparently with some of the mediums creating havoc in the world today this is the modus operandi where you are told something that only you and your lord know well it's a different matter that in rama's case there were no administrators in between rama and sita so it was purely what happened between rama and sita whereas. When it comes to Swami and interviews that Swami grants to devotees, there are so many people present there also. But leaving that aside, what is interesting I feel is, I thought we should make that a point here. For those who feel that, so therefore mediums are great. I know I am jumping the gun a little bit. But later on actually Hanuman makes an offer. He says, so Mother Sita, I mean Mother Sita is convinced that Hanuman is the messenger of Rama, the medium of Rama. So Hanuman then says, now that you are convinced, come along with me. I will take you off. I will take you to Rama. At that point, you know, again we will come to that dialogue a little bit later. I am just to make the point, I am stating it here. Sita just refuses. She says, I know this is Swami. I know I know this is my Swami. I know you are the messenger of my Rama. But no Hanuman. I am directly connected to Rama. I can't come with you. I can't accept you as a substitute for Rama. I can't accept you as anything in Rama's place. So while I derive joy from the things that you tell me, it stops with that. I am not going to come with you. And we know in the end, Sita doesn't come. She prefers to stay in Ashokvana of Ravana. Just see the choice she makes. She chooses to stay in a demon's Ashokavana rather than go with someone whom she is convinced is the messenger of God because she also believes in a direct, heart-to-heart, straightforward connection with her Lord Rama. I just felt that at this point in time, in case there are some who might be drawing wrong inferences, we should make this point also clear.
1: Absolutely. In fact, that dialogue which comes, will need definitely more time to go into because it, it's a very, very deep and, as you said, an apparently uh, wrong choice to make. But how that wrong choice is firmly based on on a right perspective to the whole situation and how Mother stands firm on that we'll probably go into that in a little bit of detail but before that probably we'll play a short clip from Swami's discourse this is I think 2002 summer course the 22nd of May where Swami speaks of this entire thing which we have described till now from the point where Ravana comes and tries to Mother Sita again, and this interaction between Hanuman and Mother Sita.
3: But uh, before we play that frame, I just feel one more point just for the sake of completion that's mentioned in the Ramkatara Savahini is that before getting convinced of Hanuman's identity. Sita has still that one question as to Hanuman, how on earth did you get in over here? You tell me, how did you get into Lanka? That is what I want to know. Because Sita feels, once I get to know how he has got in, I will know whether it's my Rama or whether this is a drama. Rama or drama. So Hanuman then gives her answer, I am sure that none of us expect, I am sure Sita also would not have expected. Hanuman says, mother, who says that I entered Lanka? It is all Rama. Mother, I don't understand how, you know, we were so many of us, Angada, you know, he names Jambavan, so many heroes and uh, we all set out and all are waiting on the other shore. I still don't know why but I was the only person who could cross the ocean and I feel that is only because of the grace of Rama. So the grace of Rama which can make me cross an ocean, can't it make me just enter this kingdom? The grace of Rama is everything. Rama is everything. So please don't ask me because I also don't know the reason. The only thing I know that it is Rama's grandeur and Rama's glory. On one hand we see how egoistic Ravana is where he's boasting of his abilities and capabilities. On the other hand, you see somebody who is more heroic than Ravana because Ravana has entered his own kingdom but Hanuman has entered an enemy kingdom and yet when asked, he doesn't take an iota of credit and he just says, nothing is because of me, it's all because of Rama. I think hearing this, Sita is more or less convinced that this has to be a messenger of Rama because he speaks just the way Rama speaks. He thinks just the way Rama thinks and he seems to embody Rama himself and that actually seals the deal, I think, for Sita.
1: Right as we said, you know, that expression of servitude and the expression of devotion which Hanuman is expressing here, I think that is very difficult to say is untrue or say is false. And that's what really is convincing Mother Sita here. So we'll listen to that discourse clip and we'll continue with some things which Swami says in that and of course the story thereafter.
5: Ravana came in the meantime. Every day he visits. He has no other job to do. He fixes the time and (laughs) the time. Every day there is countdown. Eight days, four days, three days like that. As she was talking (laughs) later. Sita was unmindful of this. One day, she came close. She caught hold of the feet of Sita. Mother, this is my Na fortune. This is the fortune of my daughter. And mother and daughter Pati his my Husband is virtuous. And his devotee of Rama is a devotee of and he is in the company of Rama on the other shore and his only one deserved this fortune. After talking like that, Sita had peace at that moment on listening to these things. In the meantime, Hanuman the... stepped in he went on searching for Sita. He was blaming himself for not Srinan able to I had to search for Sita among women only. Hanuman first got into the palace. And he has seen all the wicked nature. <laughs> no they were there in a mysterious way. He blamed himself. <laughs> What a sin I committed. Is this I am supposed to see? Rama I should see only Rama's beauty, not this ugly scene. With full concentration, Sita and Rama only, observed And then he climbed up. He just climbed up the staircase and saw. Ashokavana was full of greenery tree. He jumped over there. Then, under a tree, with the head bent, with a dirty shari, Sita was feeling very sad. On the top of the tree, Hanuman started singing the story of Rama. She lifted her head and saw, Who is this Maruti? He never saw Maruti before. When she reached Lanka, At the time he started the Sita. In fact, Ramalakshana met Sugriva. There they happened to meet Hanuman. He is quite new to her. Mother. I am the messenger, servant of Rama. I am your servant, he said. She did not nod her head. He in it may be the knack of the demon. They could have different knacks. The she was felt so sad thinking that it's also the design of the demons. He just jumped from the tree. Doing Namasma. He has shown the ring to her. In fact, that's the ring of Rama sent to Sita as a proof. She has touched with both Anuman, of her Anuman, how lucky you are. Rama has given you this. This is the wedding gift by Janaka King. She could recollect that. Then out of anxiety she started finding out where Rapa is. He said he's coming, coming very soon. If you are very much anxious, come on, sit on my shoulders. I'll take you over there. Hanuman. Hanuman if I sit on your shoulder, if I reach Rama, it amounts to the same act done by Ravana himself. So, I don't get a good Ramane name like Rama himself kill. He has to kill Rama. Then he has to kill. Till then, I'll bear on the suffering. Convey this message to Rama.
1: That was Swami there summarizing almost whatever we've been saying in this week and last week. And uh, coming back to the dialogue between Mother Sita and Hanuman, where he says that I've come across the ocean, I've jumped across and all completely because of Lord Rama's grace and uh, at this point you know again every time when Hanuman speaks about Rama he in fact goes on to say about the entire episode of how he met Lord Rama and how Sugriva and Rama made friends and how they met Jatayu's brother at the ocean and, and the entire story he narrates and at that point Hanuman shows a little bit of uh, restlessness he said Mother I have to go back now I have to tell Lord Rama that you no know, I have seen you because my mission is accomplished I have to go and tell him and get him here at that time Mother Sita pleads to Hanuman he says You know, I've been here for so many months, and after so long, I'm getting to hear about Lord Rama. Can you stay back for one more day and can you narrate some more about him? And then you can go on your work.
3: In fact, it is at this point that you know, Hanuman even has come down from the tree because uh, you know, Swami mentioned the name of Sarama. Right. Sarama is the wife of Vibhishana, the mother of Trijata who gets the dream. So, Sarama and Trijata are constantly counseling and comforting Sita. So, when it's not their duty when they have gone, that is when Hanuman actually comes down from the tree. There's no one around Sita. And one more point that happens is that in order to show Sita that uh, Rama's glory, Rama's name is no ordinary one because it is possible that Sita might have doubts as to whether you know Hanuman and others in Rama's army will be able to defeat Ravana. I think at this point again I am jumping the gun so I will hold back my horses for that point but Hanuman actually in order to convince mother Sita starts growing to his normal size and doesn't stop at that, starts growing beyond that you know towards the size with which he crossed over the ocean and seeing that Sita on one hand is convinced, on the other hand she gets little nervous. She says, Hanuman, now we stop because you know, now that Rakshasas might see you, it's not good that you get discovered. So you don't grow anymore. And Hanuman immediately follows because in the physical absence of Rama, Mother Sita, his consort is Rama for him. So he reduces and comes back to the size. And uh, that is when this actual dialogue takes place, you know, where Hanuman says, Mother Sita, that I'll carry you. And as beautifully Swami said, you know, one of the arguments that Mother Sita puts forth is, Hanuman, you can't take me away like this because there's no difference between my husband and Ravana. I can't you know, stand for the ill fame of my husband, ill fame of Rama. It's a very beautiful point that Sita makes. She tells that if we are truly the devotees of the Lord, if we are truly wedded to the Lord, because that is what Sita has done, she has wedded the Lord. If we are truly wedded to the Lord, we should protect the Lord's name and glory even closer and even more powerfully than we protect our own name and glory. So, I can't do anything that will tarnish the name of my Swami. You know, her Swami is Rama. Again, I feel... This is another strong message that when it comes to the question of mediums and messengers, when Sita says that you can't do anything that tarnishes Swami's name. You can't do anything that goes against His words. That is actually the other uh, argument that Sita says. She says, Hanuman, tell me, did Rama tell you to take news about me or did he tell you to get me back? And Hanuman has to agree. He says, yes, Mother, you know, Rama did not tell me to get you. Then why are you doing that? Why are you doing something that he did not tell you? So, it's very clear that what Rama has said is sacrosanct and there is no more modification, there is no deletion, there is no addition to that statement that Rama makes in any point in time, in all the three periods of time that is sacrosanct and it is holy. So that is the other argument that Sita gives apart from saying that you can't take me away stealthily the way Ravana took me. The second argument that she gives is it's your duty, it's your duty and my duty to protect the fair name of our Lord. So we have to protect that and you can't do what he has not told you to do. Do only what you have been told. Don't do more than that. In fact, when any of us would do more than necessary on our own intelligence, Swami would often say Adhikaprasangi. Though right. adhika prasangi usually means one who talks too much, one who does more action or thinks too much also, Swami would refer to as Adhikaprasangi. So, Sita warns Hanuman that, you know, you can't take this step.
1: Right. And as we were saying that, you know, there's such an important dialogue because here is Mother Sita in immense pain and Hanuman himself has seen it to the point of she saying that I would prefer death over, you Know, continuing to live here but even in that situation she says that you know let me wait till the lord himself comes and rescues me he has to come personally you know there is a direct contact between me and him and it is his duty to come and rescue me you know me being in pain is much more of a duty for him than you know for me to alleviate myself from my pain and i think it's that emotion which is so important in the relation between the lord and the devotee you know we all go through that situation where there's an emergency and we need an answer right now quickly you know huh. i need an answer i need a solution now somebody is in the hospital you have to make a decision you know whether to go in for the surgery or not go in for the surgery or sometimes it's not so critical but we take it so critical you know whether to go in for this college point admission or that college for an admission we make emergencies out of moments but we don't realize that if it's really an emergency then the Lord himself will come down and come to my rescue I don't have to go in search of somebody who will you know help me connect with the Lord
3: Now, when you narrate that you know I am reminded of an incident that happened concerning Professor Anil Kumar sir mm-hmm. it was one of those days when Swami was not in a mood to receive letters from anyone okay. so he was not receiving taking any letters and when he came near Anil Kumar sir, you know, many times I feel that in instances Anil Kumar sir does behave like a Swami's Hanuman, you know, in many instances. So I felt this was another instance when uh, Swami came close to him and said, uh, I don't know why, you know, all these devotees keep giving me letters. So Anil Kumar sir, he doesn't want to speak against Swami. At the same time, you know, he loves the entire creation the way Swami loves. So he told a very tactful answer. He said, Swami, that's right Swami, actually they need not give letters but uh, Uh, possibly Swami, possibly some emergency has arisen in the family, maybe a medical emergency, some emergency. So they feel good and they give the letter to you. And when Anil Kumar Sir said this, Swami very sternly said, Do you know something, the moment you come under my fold, there will be nothing like an emergency in your life because I am taking care every moment just as you said, we are terming it as an emergency. We may say, come on, of course, how can a brain tumor not be an emergency? Again, we should not try to feel that our wisdom is greater than that of the Lord. When the Lord has clearly made a statement saying that once you come under my fault, I will ensure that you have no emergency. I will step in at the perfect time whenever necessary. If needed, I will do a miracle also. But your job is to patiently hold on the way Sita held on. Yes, you feel depressed, of course. You will feel dejected, of course. You will think why this hell, why this torture is not ending. But learn from Mother Sita to Just hold on, because it's all part of a grand plan, and there can be no emergency because I am directing it. I have already scripted this. So I was just reminded of this incident.
1: Absolutely, I think it's that choice which each one of us have to make, you know, between relieving ourselves of the pain and by holding out and saying that no, the relief for my pain is not more important than me being able to directly reach my Lord. And I think this is a point which Ami has put in so many different ways. And sometimes it's plain logically we can't accept it. For instance, you know, we take the example of Saint Thyagaraja. Swami keeps telling that again and again. You know, here is Saint Teagraj. I was going on singing the praises of the Lord and the king comes and says that, you know, I'm very pleased with this song, you take it. But, you know, probably we would have said that I prayed to the Lord and the Lord is sending me what I need through the king. Mm. But here was he saying that, you know, if I accept it, then somewhere in my mind I'm giving the space that I did it for this. My devotion was rewarded this way and I would start equating, you know, the Lord's grace with some things like this. I think that's where he was very, very scrupulous and probably that was the lesson Swami was trying to drive in that at mm. any point don't give any scope for any kind of step down from that perfect focus on the Lord and directly reaching the Lord and this argument you know because Hanuman is not somebody who is saying that you know I can relieve you of the pain He's saying that I can't see you like this that's one point which you know Hanuman keeps on repeating he says every moment that Sita remembers you know Rama and starts feeling a little dejected he says mother I cannot see you in this pain I can take you back in all kinds of arguments and one argument which mother Sita gives is you know I cannot contact any person other than Rama how can you ever think that you can carry me On your back
3: In fact uh, When I was reading that I just remembered That this seems to be Sita's common stratagem You know Like even when The Maricha is being killed By Rama She tells Lakshmana That I think You don't care about Rama Because you want to Make me yours And here also, she almost accuses Hanuman of that. She says, you know, I have only one master, my Rama. Do you want to come in between me and Rama and make me touch you? You know, that is what uh, Sita says. It's like a hard slap onto Hanuman. But Hanuman is not to be outdone. So he says, mother, I'm not telling you to look at it in that perspective. I'm your son because I'm like Rama's child. And you know, this is where I feel Hanuman also nicely uses those three levels where he says at the level of the body, I am I am the messenger of God. At the level of the mind and spirit, I am the child of my Lord. And at the level of Atma. Me and Rama are one. So he says, "Don't take me as a messenger of the Lord. I'm the I'm the son of Rama. So therefore, I become your son too. So what's wrong in a mother coming on her son's shoulder? This is in fact one of the first arguments that Sita gives, and Hanuman gives a counter argument. It is after that that Sita narrates those arguments that we just recounted. In fact, after which Sita
1: explains in that you know she says that you know I have the feeling that you're like my son. You have the feeling that I'm like your mother. Mm. But not everybody who sees us will have that feeling. And when you live in a society, it's important to and live by the perspective of those around not just by our own feelings and again that same feeling of you know see we represent lord rama you have come here as a representative of rama i have come here because you know in a way ravana is trying to get even with rama mm-hmm. you know, for what has happened to surpanaka he he has found that if i take away sita it's like i am getting even with rama so in many ways both of us have been i mean represented as symbols of rama and we need to live up to that at any point we should not you know let any bad name come to rama you know if you look at it it's like see as people living in the society as individuals what's really important for us is a good name you know that's something which we all are so very scared about that somebody should not talk ill of us it's so important that we maintain a good name in the society so when a devotee expresses his devotion to the lord i think it's perfect like you know she's constantly thinking that you know he should not get a bad name i remember sometimes you know this discussion coming up with swami and suppose somebody is telling swami this devotee is taking swami's name and doing something wrong like this you know he's getting a bad name for swami you know we've heard this swami will suddenly start Stop them and say, hey, the name Satisai can never get a bad name. You know, there can, Mm. no impurity can touch that bad name. It is in our idea, you know, oh, Swami's getting a bad name. Swami's organization is getting a bad name. Swami would repeatedly say that, you know, there's no bad name which can touch my name. But I think as a devotee, it is very important for us to think from our level, just like how we protect our name and fame so vehemently. When we want to express our devotion to Swami, I think it's very, very paramount that we keep thinking, what will get a bad name for Swami? I should not do that. Oh, this will get a bad name for Swami. I should never indulge in
3: that. if we are at that Advaita level, I mean I'm saying this as a rule of the thumb, then we won't care what happens to our own self-respect, our name, our fame, our glory, our wealth. That's because I feel one with Swami and when you feel really one with Swami, just as Swami said, nothing can tarnish the name of Swami and nothing can tarnish you also. But I feel as long as we try to protect our name, we try to stand up for our name, when we are wrongly accused we feel bad, we feel hurt. That means we are still at a level of duality. We are not in that Advaitic level. I feel at that level we should not use convenient philosophy and Say that Swami has said nothing can touch his name, so no. So I feel as long as we are in this level of duality where we are trying to protect our fair name, our wealth, and I think that is for each one of us to judge by ourselves. Need not have a third person saying that you are a Dvaitin, you are a Dvaitin.
1: See, in fact, uh, Mother Sita gives that in part of that argument. You know, when uh, Hanuman is saying that you can do this, we can do like that, and you know, after all, you're like my mother and things like that. You know, mother Sita says, See, finally, how do you judge whether uh, action is worthy of doing or not? She says, I will not find satisfaction doing it. Mm-hmm. And she says that, you know, you can. Can probably take me back to Rama and being with Rama is all that I need. But it'll not leave me self satisfied. And anything that does not give self satisfaction is something which is not worth you know indulging in. That's, craving for. Right. Beautiful thumb of the rule that she gives in this. She says, I will never be satisfied even if I go back to Rama and if I'm saved from this pain I'm going through.
3: Exactly. And uh you know I was reminded when you were saying that how Swami said nothing can tarnish his name, but yet we need to Swami also shows in his life, you know. Means in Rama we see later on how when a Dhobi speaks against Sita, Rama banishes Sita. Without going into the details, I can say this much that I too had an incident like this in life where uh, I felt that I was being wrongly accused for something and uh, that complaint went to Swami and Swami just said, you know, that I don't like such people and it showed in the darshan hall, you know, before Swami would look once in a while, give a vibhuti packet or, you know, take a letter. It became complete avoidance, a complete cold treatment as we call it and it was very painful. For me, it was more painful because I felt that Swami, don't you know, don't you know that it is false? Today, I feel that that is what Sita also might have thought. If she were like any one of us, that, Rama, don't you know that this is false? Don't you know what the Dobi says is false? Why are you acting on his words? But that was a time when, you know, one of the senior brothers who works in the hospital, he came and told me, he said, see, Arvind, remember that when you're staying with Swami, it's not enough if you're good. You also have to appear to be good. And at the same time, he cautioned me that sometimes just appearing to be good without actually being good will seem to be giving rewards. Know that that's a sure shot route for downfall. So don't go into that. Don't indulge in that. But at the same time, remember, it's not enough if you are good. You have to appear to be good also. So when he told this, I somehow felt you know that this was a message from Swami. Of course, as I said, you know, anybody, anything in the universe can be Swami's medium. I feel the mistake comes when we link on to that and get attached to that thing or person and say this is the medium. You know, today it was this brother from the hospital, tomorrow it might be you, day after it might be a cat on the road. Swami's glory is such that he can communicate through anything. So I really felt that it was Swami's advice and I acted upon that. What I did was I sincerely repented. I started writing letters, I started sending faxes to Swami. So I kept sending saying that Swami, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry and all this. And several letters later, I sent a letter saying that Swami, I'm really very sorry because I have not appeared to be good. <laughs> is Exactly what the brother had said. You know my intention Swami, you know everything. So if you feel that this what I have done, it involves that you shun me throughout life, then I'm fine Swami. I'm fine thinking that this is your will. Okay, but really Swami, I miss you. I seek you and like that I had written the letter that very evening. I remember it was a few days before Christmas and mm-hmm. Swami came out. He asked for what the Prasadam was that day And that day's prasadam happened to be those chocolates which come wrapped as gold coins. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. that was brought to Swami even before the program. And even before the program, Swami took one of that, looked at me, called me and gave the chocolate. And with that ended the cold treatment which had lasted a fortnight or so. So with that episode, I really learned that when it comes to Swami, you have to be good. No compromise on that. But till we reach the level of Advaita, till a cancer on my body and a cancer (laughs) on somebody else's body is the same, we have to also ensure that we appear good to
1: the world. In fact, uh, one of the... Old students were narrating an incident where Swami one day called him inside the interview room, and I think apparently Swami picked up one of the letters which had come to Swami and gave it to him. And when he read it, he was shocked because it was a letter of complaint written about him by one of the senior devotees. Hmm. Okay, and uh, in fact, Swami he read out the letter to Swami, and Swami said, "See, I know whatever is written in it's not true. But in spite of that, if I get one more letter, I will, you know, get at you. I will throw you out." Hmm. Swami said, "Because it's not just being right, but you're not able to manage everybody and take everybody along." Long. You have created a situation where somebody is probably, antagonistic. yeah, antagonistic and feeling endangered because of you around. In fact, in one of the discourses, I think, uh, Samako's discourse, Swami starts with a Paddyam which says that nothing is eternal but character and fame.
3: Satyam kirti dvayam sthiram. Right. think right. if I remember uh, right, it's right. asthiram jivanam loke, asthiram yauvanam
1: right. dhanam, uh, asthiram
3: dhara Putradi satyam kirti dvayam right.
1: When you look at it, you know, alright, satyam is always eternal, That Swami has said. But Swami is talking about fame. You know, on one hand, you're always told that don't aspire for fame and don't let your life be led by the aspiration for fame but here Swami is saying that fame is very important because in many ways when you go into the society even if you try and say that you know I should get a good name in society I think 80 to 70% of your dharmic life is taken care of and mm. that is why Swami was so insistent that you know apart from being good apart from having that unity of thought word and deed it's also important that people around you realize that here is a person of goodness you know there is nothing which can be spoken against this person
3: With that. I think Prem will take a little break because from now the story takes a slight different twist because Hanuman has realized that it's no use staying with Mother Sita anymore because she is not going to come with him anyway. So Hanuman decides that as soon as possible I have to communicate Rama's message and go back to Rama and communicate Sita's, Mother Sita's message and uh, though not explicitly mentioned in the Ramkatara Savahini, I think many times Swami narrates as to how Mother Sita takes out her Chudamani, the crest jewel from her head and gives it to Hanuman to deliver it to Rama that is, you know just like he gave the ring she gives the brooch on her head so we will come to that part of the story as to what Hanuman does after leaving Mother Sita after this little break
1: dear listeners. Talking about this very beautiful and endearing conversation that's happening between Mother Sita and Hanuman. And there is one interesting point Swami writes about here. Because Mother Sita is very, very worried about, you know, Rama and Lakshmana. So she starts asking, how are they, how are they faring and, you know, what are they doing? At that point, Hanuman himself is so very pained recollecting that. So he starts telling that, you know, Mother, you have no idea. Generally, you know, it's no point talking about the separation of men. And you know, that's what he says. There's no mm-hmm. point. The pain that women feel when they separate from their husbands is incomparable. To the what the men go after all they they can fare well wherever they are but it is not right to compare Rama and Lakshmana to ordinary men because the kind of behavior they are exhibiting is really shows the kind of faithfulness that he has to you because he is not able to eat he is not able to drink he is not thinking of anything else if not for Lakshmana he would not even take a gulp of water that is the state he is living in you know he says that I have spent so many months with Rama all this time at least four months from the narrative which we read the entire uh, monsoon season is. Mm. You know, Hanuman is serving uh, Rama. He says that in this entire few months I have spent, not once have I seen uh, Rama asking for water or asking for something. It was always Lakshmana who is like, you know, constantly taking care of him and saying that, you know, it's time to eat, it's time to sleep. And, you know, that's the amount of pain that he is feeling you know separated from you.
3: And hearing this, apparently, you know, Mother Sita in her heart, she feels a little happy uh, because, uh, you know, it's always wonderful to know that someone whom you're missing so much, whom you're pining for, they're also pining for you. I'm sure, Prem, you might have had that experience as a waiting boy when you feel sometimes that Swami apparently not giving attention and suddenly out of the blue a message is sent for you and in that message uh, when you are told that you know Swami is also thinking of your welfare you feel so good about it you know that it's not just one way it's two way it always feels good in fact I am reminded of one little episode that happened during a Thrai session Mm -hmm. Swami said any boy who will be able to answer this question will get a gift from me and the question was when Hanuman gave the ring to Sita what is it that Sita asked Hanuman Okay. so if you read the or if you have read the Ramayana there are so many things that transpired between Hanuman and Sita so we had no idea what was the first one so each one of us tried answering it and Swami in his own funny way, you know, somebody gets up and says, "Swami, this, this is what it is." He said, "You come along with me." Swami listens intently and says, "Ni talakai," <laughs> meaning "your head," you sit down. So like that, he he actually, you know, dumped away different answers. Finally, one answer came which I think Swami felt was closest to the actual answer because uh, you know, Swami waved his hand, materialized a ring for him. You know, this was a question on the ring, and the answer rewarded him with the ring. One of my classmates he got the ring. But what Swami said was very interesting. You know, he said Mother Sita asked Hanuman from which 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 finger did Rama take this out and give you? (laughs) And Hanuman matter-of-factly said that Rama pulled it out from his thumb. And see, a ring that fits on a ring finger is now being worn on the thumb because your fingers have grown so thin and it no longer sits on the ring finger. If it has to sit, it has to be put on the thumb which is actually the fattest finger. And Swami said that that's all was the question, that's all was the answer. And Sita for the first time, you know, had a smile lighting up her face because she felt happy that, you know, it's not just that like how you said, women crying for men, even Rama is pining for me as much as I pine for Him. I feel there is a message for all of us that when we pine for the Lord, it is not like any other relationship. Every time there is nothing like unrequited love when it comes to Swami. How much we pine for Him, how much we crave for Him, how much we seek Him with that same intensity if not more you know, because uh, there is no evidence to say that you know, Sita was not remembering her food and all that. We don't know what it is but definitely we know that Rama is not even thinking of his food. So that was uh, a lesson for all of us. In fact, you know, after Swami narrated did this, we came up with a term in our own class calling it Sita Syndrome. (laughs) Sita Syndrome is when you feel happy knowing that someone you love is suffering. And actually it should not make sense because someone you love is suffering, you'll feel sad. But here you feel happy because they are suffering on account of separation from you. So, just knowing that you know, that small thing changes the entire perspective. Know that someone dear to you is suffering. The minute it's told that they are suffering because they are missing you and they are thinking of you, suddenly you feel happy, you feel wonderful, you feel that wow, this is not unrequited love. It is a two-way love. And Swami also says that always. It's a two-way give and take it is. And that is true I feel only of the relationship between oneself and one's Lord.
1: Right, And probably another episode which we missed out in that narration is, you know, in between Hanuman keeps coming and going. In fact, he's not there completely all the time with Mother Sita. You know, the moment he sees that the next guard of Rakshasis are coming, he uh, you know, again takes a small form, jumps into the branches. In fact, in one of those times when he jumps back into the branches, Sarama and Trajata come and you know, Mother Sita shows them this ring and tells them that, you know, your dream is already coming true. Mm-hmm. You know, the monkey has mm-hmm. come and this is the uh, ring of Lord Rama he has brought and they reverentially touch it. And how to think of it, you know, that same ring which Hanuman carry to Mother Sita apparently Swami materialized it during a bus ride on the way to Kodai hmm. there is that episode which Ravik sir would narrate Swami materialized a huge ring and you know you, when you said that he pulled it out from his thumb during that bus ride Swami put it on his thumb and was like rotating it all around because it was too so big, right, so loose even for the thumb I don't know the details of the event but apparently I think Swami gave it to Ravik sir to keep it he said give it to me after we get out from the bus and he very carefully wrapped it up in his handkerchief and put it in his pocket and which he To his utter shock and dismay found that it had vanished from his pen pocket. (laughs) and it was in Swami's hand and you know to think of it it's such a precious relic that was and Swami was giving it to us and it's in these moments when you get so awed by that materialization and forget that after all it's that same Lord who is giving it to us you know the same Lord who gave it to Hanuman is showing it to us Hmm. and that's our fortune we are going through the Ramayana as written by him as written by Rama himself and there is no limit to how much gratitude we should express to Swami for giving us this good fortune
3: with that dear listeners we once again offer our grateful salutation at the lotus feet of our beloved Swami and of Lord Hanuman who is always present wherever Rama's glory is sung and with that we bring this satsang to a close it is Sai Ram from both Prem and myself here hope you enjoyed this you can write your thoughts share your feedback with us as always by writing into listener at radiosai.org with that we conclude with this bhajan hope you enjoyed this satsang Sai Ram, thank you
4: Manojavam आरुत Vedam Chitayam,
2: Vayu Kumara Vana Rivira Vayu Kumara
4: Vana
2: Kumara अति बलवंत हनुमानता अति बलवंत
4: हनुमानता
2: केसरी नंदन अंजनी पुत्रा Anjaniputra नंदन अंजनी पुत्रा जय हो जय हो पवन कुमारा जय हो पवन कुमारा जय हो जय हो पवन
4: कुमारा
2: जय हो जय हो पवन कुमारा हो जय हो पवन कुमार जय हो जय हो पवन कुमार वायु कुमार वानर वीरा वायु Kesarinandana Anjani Putra
4: Anjani
2: Putra Jai ho jai ho Pawan Kumara Jai ho jai ho Pawan Kumara <statutender> Jai ho jai ho Pawan Kumara Jai ho Pawan Kumara pavan kumara jay ho jay ho pavan kumara jay ho
0: Sairam, you just heard an episode of our radio program... Afternoon Satsang This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony The discussion was on The Ramakatha Rasavahini a book written by Swami and today's episode was first broadcast live on 31st December 2015 Dear listeners, we hope you like this program as always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosci.org. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Leam.